You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug is on Twitter at Doug Branson, L-O-H. And you can find the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. So the Hornets, they lose last night to the Cavs 100-98. to It's the Cleveland Cavaliers. They've been awful. We've talked about how dysfunctional they've been. Even before they were going to play the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think Doug and I mentioned that John Beeline, there were reports about him as the head coach of the Cavaliers not getting along with some of the players. Tristan Thompson, I think, like stealing a basketball and then dunking it for sure, mean-mugging John Beeline, <laughs> and then Beeline kind of looking away in somewhat of a frightened state. So the players not exactly on the same page as Beeline, but at least they got the win last night. Beeline described the last play of the game that saw Terry Rozier miss an open three-pointer in order to put them ahead and eventually win that game, eventually that would fall short. But you would see Terry Rozier have a wide-open shot and Beeline expressed that it was a defensive breakdown. They didn't switch correctly. So let's get into Terry Rozier's performance. It was 19 points for Terry Rozier in the fourth quarter of his career high, not just season high, career high that Terry Rozier accomplished. 35 points last night. Again, you saw him hit five three-pointers in the fourth quarter to contribute the total of 19 that he got in the final quarter of action. It was really only him that was able to get this, <laughs> this get this team back, uh, in uh, in in a, with a chance to beat the Cleveland Cavaliers. So to put it in perspective, Terry Rozier scored 19 in that quarter. The Charlotte Hornets, as a team, scored 21 in the first, 20 in the second, and 23 in the third, and then they scored 34 in the fourth again because of what scary Terry was able to do he was scary last night from behind the line 7 of 15 and that was good I guess to see Terry get going a little bit even though it was too late Terry Rozier got going from behind the line after not shooting very well in the last five games another guy that had not been shooting very well you have to go to the last four now including this game against Cleveland but that's Devontae Graham so Devontae Graham goes three of 16 in this game two of nine from behind the line and now you look at every game that's happened since that win against Brooklyn where Devontae Graham goes off for 40 points, Devontae goes 4 of 14 the next game against Chicago, 2 of 9 from 3, 3 of 18 against Indiana, 3 of 14 from 3, 4 of 15 against Sacramento, 4 of 11 from 3, and then 3 of 16 last night against Cleveland, 2 of 9 from 3. He's shooting in that span about at uh he's shooting less than 30 percent and then you see him last night only score only total nine points and that is the second it's tied for the second least amount of points that Devontae Graham has scored this season uh that was also he scored nine against the LA Lakers the third game of the year and then he scored in uh the sixth game of the year that he played he scored four against Golden State so it's the first time that Devontae Graham had not reached double-digit scoring since November 2nd when they beat the Golden State Warriors on the road 93-87, to and he went one for eight in that game, but they actually beat the Warriors in that one, but only scored four. Second time that he scored nine points on the year, it's the third time that he's not reached double digits. So Devontae, in a little mini-slump, 
after the game against the Brooklyn Nets. And if it continues, five games, six games, I think we may be able to flirt with that word, just a full-on slump of Devontae. Hopefully he's able to get out of the shooting woes since that Brooklyn performance. Uh, while we're talking about the backcourt, might as well continue to talk about some of the guards in this game. Malik Monk played 12 minutes, hit a three-pointer, went two of four from the field, had a couple rebounds, no assist, had five points, but he would leave this game after just 12 minutes of action with a left hip contusion, and he would not return. Because you are a Charlotte Hornets fan, you are used to not being able to have nice things once we have Malik Monk <laughs> be able to have a really good game in his last outing against the Kings. He eventually gets hurt uh, with a le left hip contusion. Again, we'll see exactly how long he's going to be out. Hopefully, Malik Monk can come back and continue some of the momentum that he was able to bring up. Now, with Malik Monk being out, I wonder how James Brego handles Dwayne Bacon. And Dwayne Bacon playing last night, he played 12 minutes, only had one field goal out of the three that he attempted, missed the only three-pointer he attempted, got to the foul line, had four foul shots, missed two of them, had a couple rebounds, one assist, one steal, and ended up with four points. Watching Dwayne Bacon last night, guys, made me realize how much I miss Dwayne Bacon because it... it Last year's Dwayne, right? Like, he's been so bad at the beginning of the season. And yet, when you talk about what James Borrego was saying at the beginning of the year, he said, if we have a positive season, that Dwayne Bacon is going to be a big part of it. And he's already fallen out of the rotation, and deservedly so, the way that he had played. He had been really bad by a bunch of different measurements. I mean, you could have viewed him as one of, if not uh, among the worst basketball players in all the NBA, like bottom five bad. At just not playing defense well, getting to the basket but not shooting well. Uh, you look at Dwayne Bacon's numbers on the year. Dwayne Bacon, uh, just to go over them once again, hadn't gone over him in a while because he hadn't been playing. He's been a forgotten guy. But Dwayne Bacon shooting just 31.4% on the field, uh, from the field, I should say, 22.7% from three-point range, averaging just 6.1 points per game this season. I, it's just been bad for Dwayne. And here's a guy I honestly thought, might have a shot to lead the team in scoring at the beginning of the year because of the way they talked about him, because in preseason, how many shots he got up. And I thought it was going to be, you know, Terry or Dwayne, I thought were the two answers because Terry getting paid $18 million, being a point guard, thought he would have the ball in his hands a lot, and he still does. But I thought that was an option. And then I thought it was going to be Dwayne. And boy, I mean, he fell out of favor quickly, again, because he had been so bad. And so now I wonder if Dwayne Bacon will be able to possibly get some momentum going a little bit. Maybe he's going to be able to figure some things out if Malik Monk misses any type of significant time. But something to remember is Dwayne Bacon has been on the outside looking in. Now Cody Martin is playing really well. So it's not like Nick Batum's absence or Marvin Williams' absence called for Dwayne Bacon to step up with a given opportunity. It's really been Cody Martin, who's played extremely well. And I don't know how you take that guy off the court with the defensive pressure that he's put on guys. Offensively, he looks a lot more comfortable. So we'll see if Dwayne Bacon, one, if there's an opportunity for Dwayne, but also if even if he is given one, if he'll be able to make the most of it. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and the show of your favorite Locked On podcast. For this instance, you could tweet us at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson LOH, or 
the show handle at Lockdown Hornets. So just tweet at your host or the show Twitter account, and on Twitter we will share it and retweet it. So again, if you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Lockdown podcast for the year. Coming up, we'll talk a little bit about the absence of P.J. Washington, how that affects some players, and one in particular, Miles Bridges. It's up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. So if you don't believe in the moon landing, Mm -hmm. then what would you say is the greatest human achievement? I think the greatest achievement of all time, and I think it's Vince Carter doing 360s clockwise rather than counterclockwise. It's really tough. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I've mentioned this a couple times. Miles Bridges has not taken that many shots. You look at what he did against the Sacramento Kings on Tuesday. He played just 21 minutes, and he went two of three from the field. Missed the only three-pointer that he took. Against the Cleveland Cavaliers last night, he goes three of seven from the field. Missed both of the three-pointers that he took. Now, in this game against the Kings, Doug mentioned this yesterday, you saw him be active. It didn't look like he was out of place in a, a million different instances. I thought Miles Bridges, I, I wouldn't watch that game and think, man, Miles was really poor, but boy, he was not involved offensively. I mean, only one assist for Miles Bridges in, in that game, or excuse me, zero. I was looking at the Pacers game, zero assists in that game against the Kings. Only one rebound in that one, did have a couple blocks, did have one steal. Um, but Miles Bridges just not involved offensively. And then you look at this game against Cleveland again, only 21 minutes, three of seven from the field, only three rebounds and one assist in this game. Had three personal fouls and a turnover, ended up with six points, no free throw attempts in either of the last two games. So I talked about it. We talked about it at the beginning of the year, the redundancy of the selection and first round picks between Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington. Can you figure out? Both of those guys playing on the court together. Is that something that can function and be a successful basketball team? Uh, P.J. Washington has been excellent this year as a rookie. I mean, sure, he's had his ups and downs, hit the rookie wall, went on a little stretch where he couldn't score a whole lot but or wasn't scoring very efficiently. But P.J. Washington, for the most part, has been very good. I would imagine most Hornets fans have been pleased with what they've seen. And here's Miles Bridges where you get more defensive responsibility, you get more offensive responsibility. It's been a little bit up and down. And then when P.J. Washington goes down and Marvin Williams is still a a little banged up, even though he played well in that game against Sacramento, Nick Batum isn't playing. It's Cody Martin who gets an uptick in minutes. And Miles Bridges kind of goes down. Look, he had been getting 30 a game. He got 38 against Atlanta. And, and since that Atlanta game, it, between the Atlanta game and the Indiana Pacers game, there's about five contests total there. He had played at least 35 minutes. And now the last two games, he's played 21 minutes apiece. Again, without P.J. Washington. Now, in this game against Sacramento on Tuesday, I was willing uh, – to believe an excuse that maybe, okay, Miles Bridges only played 21 minutes because because Malik Monk was playing so well, and Malik Monk played 27 minutes, and maybe it was because Cody Martin brought so much defensive intensity and even hit a three and was playing well. So, okay, if Cody Martin's getting some minutes, if Malik Monk's getting some minutes, then maybe that takes away a little bit. 
from a Miles Bridges. I, I, I could have bought into that a little bit. Marvin Williams is back, and he was actually shooting really well, hit three three-pointers in that game against the Kings. So maybe you leave him out there. Like I, I could have accepted all of that as an excuse, and I even mentioned that yesterday, I believe. But I, I wondered, okay, if it happens again, then maybe this becomes a trend. And so, look, I don't know if two games is a trend, but I know it's something that I was worried about, and then it happens again against Cleveland. Miles Bridges is going to be an interesting guy to evaluate going forward. Miles Bridges is going to be an interesting, for me, I think he's going to be one of the more interesting players in viewing what fans think of him. I, You guys know I wasn't high on him. I thought I was kind of wrong last year. I thought he outperformed my expectations, but I also don't think that my ceiling was all that far off for him. I think he can be an above-average role player. I don't think he's ever going to be an all-star. I don't think he's ever going to be someone that you would even consider close to an all-star. And so this is going to be someone that, I, again, I'm, 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 very, I'm very intrigued in what Hornets fans are going to think of Miles Bridges as we watch him the next couple of years, how much of a pillar you consider him to be. Because Devontae Graham has blossomed, because P.J. Washington certainly is on a very positive trajectory, and... You know, those are the two guys I think most people should be excited about as the young people, as, as the young guys. And Miles Bridges, you know, maybe he's right there. Like he's probably is third when you consider him with Malik Monk, who's been so inconsistent. You know, even a Cody Martin, who people are happy about. I don't know if they'd put him ahead of what Miles Bridges has done. So I, I still think Miles is third, but I just I wonder what people are going to think about him, and hopefully he's going to be able to pick it up. As the season goes on, you look at the Charlotte Hornets and the schedule that they have coming up. Um, they actually get a couple of days off here, and that is rare to the Charlotte Hornets. It's been brutal for them. And I talked with Rick Bennell again uh, today on the wake-up call, and Rick mentioned how brutal the schedule had been that and the lack of days off that they had. In fact, they hadn't had two days off. Uh, since early November or something like that. You actually look at their schedule. So you know, they played on December 18th, yesterday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. So they get today off, the 19th, and they get the 20th off on Friday. Then they play the Utah Jazz at home on December 21st. So they actually get a couple of days off. And then they play the Boston Celtics on Sunday. Then you actually see them have four days off and then play the Oklahoma City Thunder at home on December 27th. So you have that little bit of a uh, of a Christmas break for some of the young guys. Uh, Rick also brought up that they're often uh, they often have a front-loaded schedule because of the some of the things that are happening at the Spectrum Center that aren't basketball games, concerts, other events that are taking place at the Spectrum Center. And so here you have again a very busy schedule for the Charlotte Hornets where there's not a whole lot of days off for them. At least they get a couple days rest, and then they'll play the Utah Jazz. And by the way, you know we, we talked about that Cleveland game being the last easy victory or one of the last few that they're going to get. They have another one against Memphis, and then they have a um, another one on the road against Cleveland again, even though they lose. Uh, certainly that's a game that you would imagine certainly is winnable for them. But there's not too many games that they can win here uh, until it – really ramps up the strength of the schedule ramps up perhaps Utah is one and and you might think that's crazy you know but Utah only 16 and 11 have not been playing all that well now they have won four of their last five including their last three but Utah came in as I think what 
a lot of people thought was a title contender, some uh, some team that could win the Western Conference Finals and be a representative in the NBA Finals. And they're only 16 and 11, so perhaps the Hornets can jump on them while they're struggling. Now, again, they've won three straight, but that's against the Timberwolves, that's against the Warriors, and it's against the Magic. So the strength of schedule for them here lately hadn't been crazy tough, but perhaps the Utah Jazz are a team you can jump on while they haven't figured it out quite yet. We'll have a little bit more here, one more segment to go on the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.K.A. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I remember Doug and I talking about the offense for the Charlotte Hornets team and they've had a couple of nice offensive outputs on the season but uh, we talked about them thinking about them not necessarily as a really bad offensive team but they were a, a really bad defensive team for a while and then you kind of look at their numbers compared to all the other teams in the NBA and I think since we had that discussion maybe a couple weeks ago it was uh, their points per game at 104.5 ranks 27th in the NBA, extremely bad. You look at the points allowed and where they end up in the and the, um, where they rank in the NBA, 110.5, and that ranks 14th in the association. You look at the rebounds, they rank 24th at 43.2. But again, we talked with Sam Purley, and uh, and and Sam mentioned that the last five games they had led the league in rebounding percentage. That they had actually improved on that quite a bit. But just looking at the points per game and the points per uh, points allowed. 27th in points per game and then points allowed uh they're 14th uh in all of the nba at 110 and a half and you kind of look at their schedule and some of the teams that they've held to low scoring outputs because there's been some low scoring games here recently against cleveland again a bad team they only allowed 100 but they only scored 98 against sacramento they allowed 102 again a bad basketball team as it's been so far and they score 110. That's around the. Uh, that's a little bit above their average, but not much. Uh, you know, we know in today's NBA they're scoring a lot more. So I think what you're seeing is, um, you know, against Indiana they scored 85. Look at look how low scoring the last few games have been. 198, 110 to 102. Indiana 107. The Hornets score 85. Chicago they actually win that game because they score 83 to Chicago 73. Just a bad basketball team. So the last uh, handful of games or so, last four games have been real low scoring, and it's not like the Hornets have been good offensively. And I think it kind of goes to show you here recently how dependent they are on Devontae Graham to get buckets for them. Now again, only 83 against Chicago. They were able to win that one, but that was a game that Graham struggled. Against Indiana, defensively, Indiana was very good against the Charlotte Hornets, and Graham didn't score much. Graham hadn't scored much in the last four games, and they're 2-2, two and two, but their only wins come against a team that scored 73 and 102. So it, it goes to show you defensively. I, it, it also goes to show you 
that this is a team that's probably going to take a deep dive like we've talked about in January. Like we're talking about if they're winning too much and then we have a game against the Cleveland Cavaliers, a bad dysfunctional Cleveland Cavaliers team, and they lay an egg against him. Now, granted, was the second night of a back-to-back on a front-loaded schedule that has been pretty brutal where they haven't gotten a whole lot of rest or two days off in a row, but still the Cleveland Cavaliers are pretty bad. And I think the, the number one thing that the broadcast crew deservedly started to harp on was the points in the paint. I mean, the points in the paint was ridiculous. I think it was at halftime they allowed 44, 48 points in the paint before they even went to the locker room. And as I bring up the team stats on what it ended up being throughout the game, the Cleveland Cavaliers scored 58 points in the paint. And that means they only scored about 10 or 14 in the paint in the second half because of what the Hornets gave up in the first. And then you look at the rebounds, what they had been doing, the Hornets, they had been doing uh, a lot better in the rebounding department. And then you see how badly they get out-rebounded by the Cavaliers. It was 59-40 to 40 on top of the bad shooting that they had in this one. When you get out-rebounded like that, it's amazing that they brought this to within two. It goes to show you how bad of a basketball team that Cleveland is. The only way that the Hornets actually were, again, able to be in this is because of Terry Rozier's 19-point fourth quarter, but also because they took nearly 20 shots more despite them only shooting 40% from the field, they took almost 20 shots more than what the Cavaliers did, 91 to the Cavaliers 74. And again, that's how they were able to only lose by two and come within a Terry Rozier missed three-pointer, a wide-open missed three-pointer from possibly winning that game. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Hornets. A little bit of a short podcast today as I go solo. Doug, I think we'll be able to hop on with me on Saturday, maybe Sunday. We'll try to put something out there. That'll be after the Boston Celtics game. Going to have a little bit of a weird Christmas schedule. Certainly won't be doing it Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but try to bear with us as we figure out our schedule going forward. I do think, though, we will be able to put something out there maybe Monday um, following the Boston Celtics game. So that Boston Celtics game, maybe Sunday, we'll put something out and try to give you a couple of different things here and there recapping the weekend going through the holiday week hope you guys have a great holiday week as well and we'll talk to you a little bit more on the lockdown hornets podcast always appreciate you joining us here on the lockdown podcast network